0: partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org.
1: From the Milton Metz Studio in the Radio TV Building at Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from WFIU and WTIU, along with Sarah Whitmire, the News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU. And this week we're talking about retail uh, as the holiday season is sort of wrapping up. I guess we are here on the 20th, so it's wrapping up the holiday shopping and how stores have adapted to the digital age. If you have a question or a comment, you can call us on Eight one two eight five five zero eight one one, or toll free at one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indiana public media dot org. You can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. And if you do call us, you'll be talking with. Sarah and I and three guests in the studio with us today is John Lee Andrews, who's a clinical professor of marketing at Indiana University's Kelley School of Business, and Sandy Keller, the executive director at My Sister's Closet. And joining us by phone from Fort Wayne is Darren Hall, the chief customer officer for Vera Bradley. Well, thank you all for being here with us today. So I guess I wanted to sort of start by – let's just – kind of hit the I guess the big overview picture John Lee what's happening in the world of retail today this all the talk about everybody's going online everybody's going online is is that the, the big headline uh,
2: I would say every everyone is going online <laughs> but uh, not necessarily buying online uh, there's there's been huge huge growth in online sales but uh, there are plenty of times when people just want to do the treasure hunt or just want to get something quickly. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, bricks and mortar is still there and strong, and, and uh, if we do things right, we'll continue for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Are there particular areas of brick, uh, the brick and mortar stores that are, are stronger or as strong today as they've always been?
2: Well, so you can talk about local retailers. You can talk about national retailers. Um in terms of local, if you're um, meaningfully unique and if you um, have, have good business practices and uh, uh, can get people's attention, you're going to do fine. The national ones uh, have made a few mistakes over time. Um, Forever 21, for instance, uh, just bought too big of spaces filled with too much inventory and uh, you just can't sustain that and there have been some mistakes along the way um,
1: mm-hmm. all right yeah. well let's i want to turn to darren hull next who's uh, the chief customer officer for vera bradley and most of you are familiar with vera bradley it's one of indiana's uh, crown jewel companies based in fort wayne what else can you tell us about vera bradley darren just in the, your uh, elevator speech
3: no, I, I'd say uh, it's a great story in entrepreneurship in Indiana, uh, founded by uh, two two friends while while they're on a vacation and five hundred bucks and a ping pong table, um, and and it's grown into being a, a great business for Indiana. And uh, if if you have folks uh, that get the Indiana University Alumni Magazine, Pat Miller, one of the one of the founders, is featured in it in the winter edition, so they can read the full story. Um, but really happy to, to represent business uh, uh, in, in Indiana, and it's an exciting time of year, um, both in-store and uh, online, and, and to John Lee's point, uh, on mobile as well.
1: Okay, now we're going to ask uh, Sandy Keller to sort of introduce us to My Sister's Closet.
4: All right. Well, My Sister's Closet is a nonprofit organization. We've been around since 1998. We've had... Over 2,400 women come through our organization, and one of the things that we're known for is to be able to move them forward using fashion, and that's a really important thing to build the confidence of women. Her outward appearance builds her self-confidence so that she's able to do things that she didn't think she was possibly able to do before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of women that we serve are coming from extreme poverty. Many are homeless. Many have suffered things like domestic violence. They're coming out of prison, that type of thing. So to get them into jobs that are sustainable jobs, that are not lots of part-time temporary jobs at minimum wage, is a really big push to make their family successful. Okay.
5: I'm curious, how does a local nonprofit with a mission like My Sister's Closet work to differentiate yourselves um, from other retail stores to, to draw in business? Well,
4: we're set up like a boutique, which is very different from most thrift stores like Goodwill or Salvation Army, for example. We are set up so that when you walk in, you can't tell that it's a nonprofit organization. So, the women who actually donate their shop there, and it is a reward for the women who are being sent to us from all these different agencies to come in there and get treated to this type of experience because it makes them feel like they're the same as everybody else going in for a job.
1: Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, to go back to Darren uh, briefly. Darren, um, what kind of changes are you seeing, you know, in the the landscape? I mean, are you selling a higher percentage online than ever. Are you? Do you still have strong presence in a lot of retail stores?
3: Yeah, we still have. Uh, uh, we still have over 160 stores uh, across the U.S. The closest to your listening area are uh, Keystone Mall in Indianapolis and Mall of St. Matthews in Louisville. Um, and really, what we're seeing is it's about how the customer wants to shop and how they want to communicate, right? Um, uh we we are seeing a higher penetration move to online. We're also seeing people that are consuming media interacting with us socially online. You know, the days of of retail being about um you know, when I was a kid, I went to Marshall Fields. I grew up in Chicago, uh, and there was the day the windows opened, and there was a lot of emotion around the the season for, for holiday, and you did that in person. It was a lot of emotion, a lot of spirit, a lot of excitement. Now we have our Black Fridays and our Cyber Mondays, and, you know, that experience is very different uh, for my daughter because we we took a detour, you know, if you look in the re-tour, re the retail industry into this world of, you know, somewhat more homogeneous, big box, uh, price-based selling. And now, you know, I think we see that pendulum coming back to who's, you know, who's able to differentiate themselves, who's able to give you a a personalized experience. Uh, And I think there are people who are doing that very well online, um, and we've certainly made our big efforts to provide that personalized service. but we still think there's a moment, something special about buying, um, you know, a gift for, for a teenager or a gift for your granddaughter um, or buying something for yourself that's really hard to replace in person. So we'll keep a balanced approach and, and let our customers lead us through where, where they want uh, to transact, trying to make the best experience in every channel
5: i 'm smiling because I remember as a kid going down to downtown Cincinnati where they set up elf workshops in the windows of Macy 's, and it was such a big deal to go down, but that stuff, yeah, really doesn't happen anymore i'm I'm curious, John Lee, do the big box stores that have a website do as well as some online
2: only places amazon aside. <laughs> Uh, I think the, the new term, the latest term, is omnichannel. And the stores that are doing a good job of omnichannel, where you've got a retail store, you've got a website, and and uh, over time they've become almost interchangeable, are the ones that are doing well. Nordstrom, for instance. Um, so you could order online, return to store, uh, order online, pick up at store. And uh, I just saw a statistic. For Walmart, if you order online, pick up at the store, walk into the store, people tend to spend another $60 in the store. So really, it's it's very beneficial.
5: But do folks like Walmart, can they compete against, I, I guess I will mention Amazon, against folks like Amazon? Seems like that would be somebody they would yeah. be in direct competition against.
2: Yeah. Amazon is um, is a huge, huge competitor. Um the way that they're able to succeed, though, is through their Amazon Web Services, which makes all the money, and the retail part of it is really not making any money. Um, which means that uh, what does that mean exactly? It, I don't know the it, two different parts it means, of it. It means that uh, the retail part doesn't have to make money because the company's making money from um, from the web services, the other part of the business. It's a it's a service business for retailers. Okay. For companies.
1: Darren, sound like uh, it? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I was going to tag in on. I think one of the things you're seeing is a separation of of you know if, that relationship with the customer. So, in the end, you know, my first job in retail was working in a pharmacy uh, for a gentleman named Tony uh, in downtown Chicago while Wal, Walgreens was coming in, right and His goal was to to win by providing great services Mm -hmm. to his customers, and that was an exchange of value, right? So uh, your loyalty in exchange for value, what are we giving you in personalized services? Um, And you can peel Tony's model apart. You know, this was the the early 80s in Chicago, and he did uh, same-day delivery, right? He did – if you had a reoccurring medication, he kept index cards in his office so that he could do subscription services. We're just seeing that evolve over time. I think what you see is retailers um, that don't commit to that trust for customers uh, and don't commit to that loyalty and don't trade to that providing customer value are really struggling in this market and that's because it's just so much easier for a customer um, you know to get upset and and move somewhere else. It's easier to lose that trust. So I think companies like Vera Bradley that have always been about listening to the customers and trying to provide value and trying to earn uh, a customer's loyalty, I think they're succeeding in in this market as you move to omni-channel or unified commerce of people wanting to shop in different ways, I think people who have not fully committed, you know, you meant you, you look at some of those big boxes they they were, that was a price uh, sale, it was a price-based selling, and I think that pendulum has swung back, so You know, you mentioned Nordstrom. They've always been committed to the customer. You look at Beer Bradley, we've always been committed to the customer. And I think we're going to see, you know, the haves and have-nots continue to separate uh, as time goes on.
1: Sandy, I think, uh, you know, you can look at your organization, My Sister's Closet. You talk about being committed to the customer. I would think (laughs) that's kind of your number one goal, right? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? How do you build relationships?
4: Uh, Well, women come in from all over the county, and they're not only – Donating, but they're shopping and they're donating to help another woman succeed. And so they become part of the community solution to be um, make that successful. Um, but a woman that comes in that is uh, shopping for herself that is not one of our uh, clients, for example, she is coming in possibly just to find a gift or to just have an experience. It's a place where she meets her friends and they hang out for hours. She, If she's looking for a job, she can ask us to help her. With an image consultant, which is absolutely free. So, about 35% of the women coming in are actually looking for professional clothing, and 12 to 15% of them are asking for assistance. So, it's really Mm community-wide and on days like this when you're coming in before the holidays you're going to see cookies and coffee and you know (laughs) you're going to have people running around in goofy hats and outfits and they're happy that you're there Mm -hmm. so we kind of celebrate the community every day that we're in there
1: we're talking about changes in the retail uh, world today on noon edition if you have questions Give us a call at 812 855 0811 in Bloomington or toll free at 1 877 285 9348. You can also join the conversation uh, by following us on, on Twitter at Noon Edition.
4: And you just opened an online store. We did. We're very excited about it. Um, it's an eBay store, and the address is usr forward slash mc okay now how how does that you know work along with and conjunction with your store it's supposed to create another income stream so that we can keep our services in the community and so that we can pay for rent and brick and mortar expenses salary uh, we are also in a situation where we may possibly lose our lease next October. So we're raising money for a relocation fund, and this is designed to help us do that.
5: But your brick and mortar will always be really important. Or how it, do you think abso- that might play out?
4: It absolutely is because we, the women that are coming to us for assistance, are coming to us on the bus line they don't have these resources like computers or you know online access to be able to buy something so we're actually taking them by the hand and walking them through we got a question are the ebay items are those higher end items yes they are okay yes they are we are very blessed to have donations from people that are extremely generous and Putting these items on the floor, the average person wouldn't be able to purchase those. So putting them online creates a larger audience and allows us to fund our mission a little bit more.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about just sort of go back a little bit. The uh, Our history, our combined history in this room, uh, John Lee knows a lot about the history, but we're not that old. Um, mine is probably the oldest, and I grew up in a retail store. Family retail family, big store on a downtown square on a county county seat town in Indiana. Then the malls came along, and the malls sort of shut down the the downtown stores and Now a lot of malls are suffering, so I guess i just want to go to the historical perspective of all this are we you know are we always going to be evolving in how people want to shop John sure,
2: sure. Mm-hmm. if you want to talk about theory there 's an old theory called the wheel of retailing. And, uh, you know, you start out with mom and pop, and then it gets replaced by the supermarket, gets replaced by uh, the department store, and things get bigger and bigger. And eventually it just comes right back down to the importance of mom and pop in your community. Uh, knowing what you want, giving like Darren said, the service, the understanding of the consumer, and and uh, it's just always been evolving.
1: Mm-hmm. Darren, it seems I, like you're in a position to sort of see both sides of that because Vera Bradley is a very large company who tries to act a little bit like a mom and pop.
3: Yeah, and I think uh, I think well. I appreciate the I appreciate the <laughs> comment. Yeah, I think that's what we're trying to do. But I want to come back to your downtown comment uh, and malls. I think there's an important thread in there uh, on the wheel of retail. I'll I'll borrow that, John Lee. I like that. Um, you know, if you really think about where things used to be when i would go and i wanted to buy a suit when i was a kid you'd you'd go to a shopping district uh downtown and there were areas and you selected from them and you found what you wanted based on that service Um, then it moved you know it did move to those big malls Um, and again more homogeneous more price based Um, that was that was a push in retail at the time i think we've seen that pendulum really swing back like I mentioned before if you look at there are malls that are successful and if you look at the malls that are successful they're more lifestyle centers but to me that lifestyle center looks an awful lot like those downtown shopping strips um from from when we were younger. Um, you know, it had the restaurants, it had the entertain they have the entertainment, they have um, you know, places to shop with unique products and unique curation of products. And those are the people who are winning. So we've come all the way around on the wheel. Where I would say is the importance is the technologies that are available um, and the ability to personalize some of those messages messages and the fact that every single uh, not everyone but most people are carrying a phone around in their pocket that 's most more powerful than a computer they had you know ten years ago um, like this allows you to try to give people that personalized experience, to give people a co-shopping experience, give people availability and in inventory, give people availability a choice, and scale that personalized experience without getting bad. So we can give some of that, um, you know, we can give some of that price sensitivity and that inventory sensitivity, but still give a great experience, still give you an experience for the family. Um, so there are great malls that are doing it right. There are... Um, Great stores that are doing it right, and for every Amazon that's out there and every Walmart um, that's out there, and I, I worked at Amazon. If I need something in two days, they're great at it. If I need something on the way home, Walmart's great at it. But if I'm going to find something with a great customer experience, you know, you can buy Vera Bradley at. Um, the paper store, occasionally yours or Hallmark or Gracie Lane shops, like these are people who are in the neighborhoods, in the community, still giving a great message. So I think those messages are fewer and far between, but the people who are succeeding, again, are using technology to scale up and scale those experiences for their customers uh, and get bigger without getting bad.
1: John Lee, can you address that?
2: Uh, <laughs> I completely agree with everything Darren said. Uh I think customer experience is everything. Personalization, uh if you think about the, the online retailers like Stitch Fix or uh Sephora is bricks and mortar and online, very much personalized to uh to the individual. And uh you know that, that can be done on the index card like um like Tony used to keep in his yeah. in his um store, or it can be done uh, with big data. And uh, that's definitely the wave of the future. And and, uh, and there's all kinds of amazing technology going on out there.
5: This yeah. sort of fits into it. Marty Speckler called, and he was talking about the Barnes & Noble location here that recently closed in Bloomington. I know you just did a story about it, Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying he misses the store and says it was a store that was about more than just books. And calendars. There was also coffee. It was a place to take the kids, and he really misses it. I think it's – but I, I uh, guess – Can I
1: just say that we had a – we did a story on this because Rick Morganstern, who ran a bookstore in Bloomington called Morgensterns, Barnes & Noble moved on one side of them. Borders moved on the other side of them. Morgensterns went out of business. So now Rick is back saying – can we recreate that kind of experience in a locally owned store? That's
3: exactly what you were talking about, John Lee. It Mm -hmm. is. I I, I wanted to tag on. I would highlight something John Lee said about particularly Sephora. Um, You know, if you think of malls back in the 80s, like they were inherently social events, right? The kids went to the mall, met at the mall, they did things at the mall. I think people yearn, and I think especially more so, in an age where you communicate over your phone, you communicate over text message, Instagram, things like that. They yearn for that human connection, and what Sephora has done a very good job. Um, when John Lee mentioned that, is they blend the iPads for doing uh, education about how to use their products. Um, you know, seminars led by famous um, makeup professionals, so they're able to build that community and that that group that gets together and make that 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 event social and i think we're going to see that come back more and more um you know that that relevance and i think that's why you know sandy has a great message what she's doing you know is very relevant to the customer that comes in and and using all different ways whether it's online or or in store to make sure that she can service as many people as possible
4: right and really it comes right down to you're talking about building networks Uh, There's a lot of isolation in our society right now, and that's not really necessarily a healthy thing. And if we create retail oasis, so to speak, where people know that when they come in, they're going to find the things that they're accustomed to, but they're also going to find friends and they're going to find people that recognize them, then there's some power to that. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. You're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about retailing as we – Head into the, uh, the end of the really strong retail season, the holiday season. We have three guests with us. John Lee Andrews, clinical professor of marketing at IU's Kelly School of Business. Sandy Keller, executive director at My Sister's Closet. And Darren Hall, the chief C- customer officer for Vera Bradley. We'll be right back.
0: From the Milton Metz studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. WFIU News covers south-central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live, and you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe now at WFIUNews.org.
1: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg along with Sarah Whitmire, and we're talking with John Lee Andrews from the marketing at the Indiana University Kelly School of Business, Sandy Keller from My Sister's Closet, and Darren Hall from Vera Bradley today on a show that we have dedicated to retailing. If you have questions or comments, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. And also you can send us uh, you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition, so I wanted to just ask you know we've talked a lot about experience. I love a good shopping experience all everybody in our room in the room here today does, but there are people out there that just say, "Hey, I just want to get in, I want to find a shirt that's stacked up on a shelf for nine ninety nine and, and so I'll look clean, I'll look good, and I just want to leave so you know where where does this price sensitivity fit in with the need for an experience, how do you balance those? John Lee?
2: So I think uh, the way to look at it is the world is made up of segments. And some people hate to shop, hate to go to a store, and they're going to be the online customers no matter what, no matter how. And uh, you've got people who are all about price. And if they can get it online for better, that's great. And if they can get it in the store for better, that's great. And then you've got people who love the treasure hunt. You've got people who... Who like the social aspect, and they're just different groups of people.
1: Mm-hmm. Darren, how does Vera Bradley try to address all groups of people?
3: Uh-oh. Vera Bradley is one of those brands that um, you know we're multi generational, and we appeal to you know everywhere from somebody who's eight to eighty, uh, and that's that's built through um, John Lee. I'll try to use your concept of networks. They're networks of people, so. You know, to the point of price sensitivity, you know, if we're in this holiday season, there are two types of holiday shoppers. There are those who are super organized and they get it done, you know, before, uh, before Halloween even. Um, and there's a group of people, and I fall into the second group of people, who, you know, I do it last minute. So if my family's listening, of course I've already bought your Christmas (laughs) present. But, you know, and and so there are different needs at different times. What I would say is price is always going to be a sensitivity. And, and, you know, not everybody has millions of dollars in the bank. And and what they're trying to do is get the best best value at the best price that they can give the best meaning to somebody. But on the flip side, I would look at no different than, you know, Uh, organic food movements in grocery stores or things like that. There's some wonderful things that are coming from that network too. So we have a product we're launching in January you know John Lee mentioned relevance and Sandy mentioned relevance to customers you know we're launching a, a reactive product that's uh, our our first big step into to sustainability um, you know you have 91 percent of plastic is is never recycled right and um, while our steps are small it's not perfect but it's progress and we we aim to take millions of b- plastic bottles uh that are recycled and turn them you know we can turn 45 recycled plastic bottles into a backpack if i was just trying to sell that as price sensitivity if i was just trying to sell that for somebody to um you know get a a quick cheap item you know that that wouldn't work but the internet the social media the networks that we can create can allow us to do that at scale and make, you know, that small change make a meaningful full difference. And I want to say, you know, there are good things to what have happened. You know, my dad, uh, who passed away a couple years ago, he had a great way of saying nostalgia is remembering that things were better than they really were, um, you know. Things have changed, but it's awfully nice to get stuff that shows up at your door in a day or be able to order something and pick it up on on the way. But I I just want us to keep our eye on those experiences where where we're able to bring more sustainable products or these um, items start out at niche, but they become big movements in the industry. and, And that's pretty amazing to watch that the technology and the networks drive that as well.
4: I really congratulate you on trying to reduce the carbon footprint through fashion. Fashion carbon footprint is tremendous. And, it, the, we, you know, we think, you know, we hear about the 5,000 gallons that went into making a shirt and a pair of jeans. But we often don't think about the toxic dyes and the waste products and all the different things that happen, like the cargo ships there 's nine thousand floating cargo ships in the world that take things from one country to another, and they they use this low end fuel and this fuel is a thousand times dirtier than high you know highway diesel fuel used in the trucking industry, so we have to be conscientious that this is our only planet that we 've got um, I really like the footprint of being able to resale which is what my sister's closet does because of that because our idea is that you have uh you know not only a first use but you have a second third fourth and fifth use if you tear something apart and use the textiles of whatever that item is to become something else and uh it's really uh i think as the more we teach that The more we teach people to shop locally if possible, that we try to educate everybody to be more conscientious of that. We actually teach that at my sister's closet. It's called The Green Side of Pink.
5: I was curious, is it something your customers are talking about?
4: Absolutely. Really? Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of people that come and shop um, in secondhand stores for the reason that they don't want to um, expend more resources, you know, on the planet. So they want to be able to buy something that has already been made and turn it into something else. How much of a factor do you see that
5: playing in retail?
4: Uh, is it really changing big, things? Pretty
2: big, pretty uh, big. My students, for instance, love Rothy's shoes made out of plastic bottles. Mm-hmm. But uh, I read something that resale is expected to double in the next five years. It's a huge, huge trend, mm-hmm. and and a lot of it is tied to sustainability.
1: So, Darren, is I, it? Yeah, I just want to get your take on that.
3: Yeah, I I think we're we're seeing a big change. You know, the um, uh, earlier in the conversation was brought up Forever Twenty One. I I think there are There are different trends you see in retail, and I think one that you're seeing now um, that's led by, um, you know, led by Gen Z and led by um, some people who have looked at at that kind of faster fashion piece of the business and said, listen, like, there's consequences to living like that. And, you know, do I need – a?" 15th uh, pair of shoes. Do I need a, uh, you know, a 22nd T-shirt? Um, and and they're coming out and saying there are things and products that we want to stand for, and I think that's important, especially for us in a a brand where we're making investment pieces. You know, you're talking about backpacks and handbags. Um, Like these are things that you buy and you're expecting value. You're expecting a long life out of it. And we're proud that we can provide quality. But what we're trying to do is say, hey, as as one of the biggest handbag and accessory companies in the country, can we lead out there and say, you know, what seems like a small change, we can take millions of plastic bottles uh, out of the environment. And can we solve, um, you know, can we solve the fuel problems? Uh, No, but I think we can help add momentum to that network. And I think that idea of stores standing for something, stores meaning something, when we go out and do blessings in a backpack during our back-to-school initiative, um, which is a program, a great organization that helps provide Food for students that are on those weekly um, lunch support. What do they get over the weekend? Our customers get involved, and they help us raise money together, um, and that's amazing to see that get into the communities into the environment and make a difference. Um, people like Patagonia have done uh, great jobs and had a great press release last week about raising I think 10 million dollars for local charities. I think this making a difference in your community that being on the retail wheel and coming full circle is really important. I think it's being it's being led by, you know, the students in the next generation who are demanding more from from the retailers and I think that's really important. That's part of America and part of the voice that um, the consumer has with their dollars. And I think that's great.
5: Sandy, I'd like you to talk a little bit about this ethics part of, part of fashion and consumerism, but also can you, can you fast fashion? That's a term that I had not even heard before we were prepping for this show. Can you explain what that is? Oh,
4: Fast fashion is uh, actually something that was brought on by H and M. They um, are a Swiss company, And they had the idea that they would take things coming off the runway, and instead of taking traditional orders each season for thousands of pieces of something and taking a bargain, a bet on it that it would sell, they'd take a month's supply of something and say, let's see how that goes. If it sells out, we'll buy more of them. But fast fashion is where you've got 52 weeks in the year. You're literally putting out new looks every single week. And because fashion... And shopping has kind of become a way of life. It's literally a passion that's become an addiction for some people. You do have people out there who can help you with a shopping addiction now because people will go through their life savings and spend all their money. So we have to, <laughs> we have to bring in some reins with who we are and what we value and, uh, and move people back to the basics of what's more important. Okay.
5: Can you and, and can you talk a little bit about ethics? You know, Darren was talking about Patagonia. I know they donate a lot of money to the environment. It does seem like we're way more aware of the ownership of companies.
4: Absolutely. Well, within our own community, we have a program called Backpack Buddies uh, through the community kitchen. And it is absolutely, you know, something that is um, – that shoppers and, you know, uh, residents around our community – Help support. They put food in those backpacks and send them home with kids so that their families can eat during the week and on the weekends. Uh, but we, you know, uh, what we are doing with, you know, our clothing and our throwaway items, we think that if we just take something to Goodwill or to another place, it's not going to end up in the landfill. Maybe it's going to end up in a third world country where it's going to actually be burned. Mm-hmm. You know, we really need to be thinking about how the end item ends up. Does it end up ultimately getting burned at the top of a landfill? Is it at the bottom of the ocean floor? We have to decide how much we actually need. Our wants are different than what we need. Wouldn't you agree, Shunli? Absolutely. Um,
2: I I will probably get this wrong, but it may be H&M. Scandinavia, one of the Scandinavian countries, has burned all the excess inventory for fuel for heating uh, because there's so much fabric out there, literally fabric, just made into clothes or not. Mm -hmm. So so I've heard
5: some crazy statistics this week about holiday returns and how much ends up in a landfill. Is that primarily fashion we're talking about or – is that just unwanted trinkets and things that people just get so that they have a gift for someone under the under the tree? Or
4: well, there, I mean, there's all kinds of things that end up in the landfill. Diapers are one of the largest. <sighs> sure, sure. You know, and I mean, it's it, it's the amount of things that we're buying. There are different ways to do the things that we do every day. You can have diapers like my mother had when I was a kid. She actually washed them in our washing machine, and it was good for the environment. So we. You know, when we're talking about what we are buying, we might think about, well, we're buying it, who else can use it or how else can I use it if I don't need it anymore? Mm
1: -hmm. All right. If you have a question or a comment, 812 855 0811 in Bloomington or 1 877 285 9348 outside the Bloomington area. Uh, You can also send us questions at news at Indiana Public Media dot org and you can follow us on Twitter in addition. So, you know, related to this conversation we've been having, I want to ask Darren about – so, you know, when you, you – Vera Bradley has a particular kind of look. I mean if you've if people who have ever bought Vera Bradley sort of can spot it from across the room and even people that haven't probably recognize, hey, there's that company I've seen time and time again. How many products do you have out there? How many different things are you selling now? And how do you decide – you know, when you're going to try to create a new product, you just talked about these new backpacks that are gonna be environmentally friendly. I mean, how often are you how's that research and development, I guess, is
3: Yeah, I I I mean I'd start with with an important thing. I the the brand has been around for thirty seven years and it's been around for thirty seven years mm-hmm. because it is one of those American iconic uh, brands and that's amazing. But we're definitely not just that cotton quilted uh, bag that um, that I think most people are introduced to uh, inside of, of you know, when they were in high school or when they were in grade school or college. Um, a lot of the work that we've been focusing on is, one, how do we make things interesting, relevant? Um, we've done a number of collaborations in in the last year, um, you know, with uh Procter and Gamble, um, with uh, Crocs, um, with Starbucks, and things like that, to try to get our patterns uh, not just on the quilted bag, but into other areas. And similar to what I've been talking about with reactive, um, you know, this is this is not your cotton quilted bag this is where we're trying to um, make a difference and turn plastic bottles into great products uh, for customers so reactive is recycled active um, to help that move in a different direction Uh, and that'll be available january 16th in our stores so we've been going through and looking at really what is it our customers want how has our customer evolved no different than talking about where they you know where they want to shop You know, retail is a moment in time. We need to continue to evolve. And we, you know, we have everything from the classic, you know, iconic cotton quilted bag um, to we have a performance twill uh, collection right now, which is, you know, Uh, more water repellent and lighter weight and things that our customer is looking for that on the go. They want to, you know, used to be a, you had a gym bag and you had the bag you took to work. Now you have um, the bag you take to work and you take to the gym. And those are the types of things we're really looking at what the customer is doing, how they're using our products. Um, If you think about what backpacks look like, we talk about Marshall Field's windows. Think about what a backpack look like. you know, when 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 you were uh, a kid, uh, it had like one big giant pocket in the middle, and it had a one big giant pocket uh, on the front. Now, Vera Bradley. Uh, I believe we're the number three backpack seller in the United States, and we get there by having great functionality for holding your laptop, uh, holding a change of clothes, holding your cosmetics, holding your water bottle. Like all of that comes from really paying attention to what our customers want. No different than Reactive, our customers want sustainability in the products. We're trying to make that step too. So. A lot of this is just driven by understanding where where we are at the cultural moment. What is it people want? Where do they want to invest their money and time? And what do they want out of that product? What's value? Uh, and trying to help them get that.
4: Can I ask you a question? Uh, sure. Because I think that while well, we were talking about carbon footprints, I think that there's a movement towards people wanting to get away from synthetic man-made fibers. Is Vera Bradley going to be using some of the new spider silk that's coming out? on the market this year
3: i i'd be lying to say that uh, as chief customer officer i work we have a uh, in product development um we have a really incredible uh group of people who work on material development and i'm happy to uh get you information after the phone call but that's just me being honest and I'm, i'm I'm not saying we're not doing it. I'm saying I'm I'm n- not knowledgeable just enough. Don't know. it. Yeah, you yeah. Just don't know. Yeah, you just don't know. We appreciate that, Darren.
5: I'm curious. With This is a much shorter uh, holiday shopping season. We almost lost a week because Thanksgiving was so late. I'm curious, John Lee, how do you see that affecting overall sales?
2: It looks like overall sales are up. Um, but, you know, we may call it a shortened holiday shopping season. But uh, retailers started so early this year, so much earlier than I think I've ever seen it. So for those who like to get their things done early, they might have been starting before uh, Halloween so do you think people really do though? I mean, are they
5: changing shoppers' behavior
2: It's a good question
5: in terms of i, I mean I, I remember seeing this the sales and things online, but I don't it feels like it's supposed to start after thanksgiving i don't know yeah I think, I think
3: you're just <laughs> seeing right now you have that compression. Um, to that which was mentioned, there's six fewer days in the holiday. Uh, very few people who who don't work in retail planning what a sales cycle look like looks like will probably notice that. The other thing you had was a shift of of you know the main Christmas holiday landing on a Wednesday, so it makes this uh, weekend's shopping while it was really less in play last year. Last year was more of a travel travel. Uh, holiday than it was a shopping holiday. I think you'll see a lot uh, a lot more shopping this weekend, particularly with, you know, certainly through the Midwest, the weather is supposed to be nice. So I, it changes from year to year. Uh, and I think the most important thing, again, back to the customer, is you have a couple groups of people. You have a group of people who are uh, very organized and do it up front. And, and I was as shocked as everybody that, you know, we jump from Halloween into holiday season of buying. Um, and then there are the people who do it last minute. And I think the technology will kind of keep pushing those behaviors farther and farther apart.
5: Well, then are, some of these days that we've um, come to identify as major shopping days, of course, Black Friday, but then Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. Are those are those even important anymore?
3: I I, I will speak for us. I think Black Friday and Cyber Monday are big for our direct stores. And I think I mentioned before, we You know veer bradley came up in the gifting channel which was you know at that time a cottage industry of thousands and thousands of small businesses around the country um and and we're very proud that we still uh support uh our businesses on small business saturday i think i mentioned earlier we have the hallmarks and the paper stores and the those uh, occasionally are these these people who are out there trying to make a difference and i think Different people shop in different ways, and it's important that you address all of them. Because if you really say you want to be your customers important, you have to meet them where they are. You can't just uh, you can't just uh, put a big beacon up and expect everybody's going to come follow you. Mm-hmm.
5: I'm curious about Oprah. Used to have it seemed like she would come out with our list of favorite things, and it was so popular. And I saw she's doing. Is it, I think it's on Amazon now, right? That she. Comes it's in up, our magazine. It's in her magazine. I, I feel like I saw her on the Amazon website, but maybe maybe I'm wrong.
3: Um, I, yeah, we've we've done a number of of uh, we've been on Oprah's favorite lists a number of times, and. Um, you know, when when we were part of it, we 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 definitely had product that was shipped to Amazon to fulfill.
5: So, does that when you get those sort of celebrity endorsements, do you see a bump in sales?
2: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Yeah. that's a big deal
5: to get on her list or someone's. Yeah, in.
2: or even you know, these days with uh, Instagram, Instagram influencers just drive a lot of business.
1: So. Uh, yeah, I want to ask. I'm hesitant to bring this up, but I'm going to. Politics. You know, we're, we are in such a divisive world these days. Are, is this – these issues that we're seeing on the political landscape, are they having an impact in the retail world? And, you know, we all, we did already talk about – um, how you know sustainability? I mean, that's a much bigger issue than just going in and what you're going to buy. I think you know I've always I've always felt that people when they go out and buy something as a gift, in particular um, the holiday season, they should be thinking about where am I spending my dollars and what's the overall impact of how I'm spending my dollars be. So is this is this growing?
2: I I you know. haven't seen anything politics-related, but uh, you know, with more people employed, making a little bit more money, I think that's why we've seen an increase in sales in this current season.
1: But are, not necessarily are people political. thinking more today about how they're spending their dollars and whether they're going to be supporting local business versus an online business, uh, a sustainable business versus a non-sustainable business?
4: I think that With our own industry, as far as resale goes, we've seen such an increase year to year. And the people that are coming in aren't left or right. They're not libertarian. They're not – I mean they're – People are complicated. You know, we have just as many Republicans coming in as Democrats, and they're also very um, concerned about the environment and supporting local businesses and shopping local. I think that uh, people want to be able to, again, have those relationships where they are supporting their community.
5: I want to say Marjorie Hershey called in a little bit ago um, offering a tip to folks who want to shop sustainably. She's reminding people about the Hoosier to Hoosier sale. That's in late May and early August. It's a resale event for clothes and, and different things. So that's uh, still a little way off, but right. another one of those sustainable shopping opportunities. Right. Go ahead, Darren.
3: I was I was going to add uh, I uh, – to the political climate you know i vote in my elections and i try to be as civically oriented uh, as i possibly can be but i I think in a show where we're talking about the holidays the one thing we really can control is our moments with our family and um you know we talked about the you know the marshall fields windows but like if you're if you're from atlanta that was riches or detroit it was hudson or Philadelphia what was it Wanamakers like you have these memories that you have when you do shop when you get out when you go to restaurants and a lot of them are made this time of year Um, you know one of one of the things about our brand is looking at at what's fun and what's functional and lets you express yourself Um, you know regardless of the political climate you know let's uh, whether whether it feels good to you or not good for you or the job situation is good for you or not good for you. We do have one of the few times where a lot of the holidays for, for each people are lining up this year and take the time with your family to um, make memories with them. You know, as I mentioned before, my father passed away recently, and one of the things he said before he left was life breaks down into memories you know shopping is more meaningful the time with your family is more meaningful um just remember that in this busy time year while everybody's traveling um whether it's in a store big or small or whatever um you know make that connection with the people around you
5: Mm -hmm. what do you see as this for john lee as the major opportunities and changes that are on the horizon for retail we have
1: about two minutes to go a lot of time
5: yeah Uh,
3: i think I think the bigger, bigger push into unified commerce, I think we have crossed a tipping point of where, you know, nobody, no, there are people and there are products and they want to be married together. They don't really care what your organizational chart is. They don't care what your physical footprint is. Um, You know, people, people expect access to products. People have an expectation uh, for shipping timeframes and things like that. So they want to be able to. To go in a store and get something, they want to be able to go online and get something. They want to be able to go on on their phone and get something or shop from social media, um, and that'll continue to blend together. You know, back to we were talking about cosmetics. You know, uh, one of one of the guys here who who does a great job of running our our store experiences says, you know, you can't try lipstick on online. You know, mm. you can you can make a picture, and there are lots of tools that will help you, but it's hard to really experience that online. And maybe you do that in a physical store, but you buy the replenishment, you buy the additional lipsticks online because you know you like the product. I think we're going to continue to see that blend more and more together. Okay. You know, okay. and groceries John, and these other things are a real leading way for that. John Lee, go ahead. Okay.
2: Well, to, to build on what he just said, uh the direct-to-consumer brands like Warby Parker and some of those others that were online only are going to move to bricks and mortar because uh, basically, like you just said, Darren, uh, people like to try things on physically. And not won't apply to every kind of product, but that's happening a lot more. And uh, going the other way... Um, there are so many new mattress companies, for instance it 's overwhelming to select a mattress uh, i 've done it recently I got overwhelmed but uh some of those are simply going to fail. You know online is not everything. New brands <coughs> coming out online are not everything there 's a lot to be said for the the uh, touch and feel and trying on of a product.
1: Okay. We are out of time. I want to thank John Lee Andrews uh, from IU's Kelly School of Business, Sandy Keller from My Sister's Closet, and Darren Hull from Vera Bradley. For Sarah Whitmire, uh, producer Beta Boutier, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
0: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from The Herald Times, featuring coverage of local news, entertainment, and sports, in print at heraldtimesonline.com and on your mobile device